While understanding individual applications within sectors for artificial intelligence is valuable, there's also clearly a demand for executives to just learn about the best practices for adopting AI and finding the right vendors and solutions and bringing them into their company in the first place, sort of enterprise adoption broadly. Two of the most popular articles we've had at techemergence.com in the last, let's say, nine months have been one that we wrote about the challenges of AI adoption in the enterprise and a second one about cutting through the hype of AI vendor companies, figuring out who's actually doing AI and who's just using it for marketing purposes. Those really took off on LinkedIn. And I think it's because a lot of executives are asking, how do I find what's real in terms of what's possible? Not just what somebody's tweeting about, but what actually could drive value in my business. And then when I find it, how would I tie it into my company? How would I make data scientists and this new kind of technology function within an enterprise where maybe we haven't really leveraged machine learning historically? How does that transition work? And it's a question a lot of execs are asking and some actually have experience with. This week, we're lucky enough to have Rajat Mishra on the line with us. Rajat is currently VP of Customer Experience at Cisco. He's on the leadership team of sort of their CX executive leadership team in the Bay Area. Previously, he worked at Mu Sigma, which is one of the sort of big unicorn companies to come out of India, sort of on the consulting and analytics side of things. And Rajat speaks with us this week about two major topics. Number one, when it comes to asking the right questions when you're going to adopt AI, where should executives focus their attention first? In other words, what are the factors that they're often not considering that they need to think through before they say, we should integrate this technology, or we should focus on this application versus this application? What are the questions that need to be asked first? And secondly, he brings up an important point about imagining the future of specific roles. We use an example in customer experience because that's where Rajat's currently working. But if we imagine adopting certain AI technology within a certain role, sometimes those roles will be augmented or changed in a pretty significant way. As an executive team, it's important to be able to kind of map out where do we see this role shifting in the next five years? If we do augment some of these chat or voice applications or route or automate some of these different tasks, how is that going to affect workflows and how are we going to be able to move and upskill our team? into a future version of the role that they're in now, that there's some kind of paradigm thinking that might be required. And I think that's one of the more exciting parts of this particular interview. So be sure to check out those two earlier articles I'd mentioned on techemergence.com, cutting through the hype of AI. Actually, if you just type that into Google, you can find it. If you're interested in this episode, I think you'll like those. But without further ado, we'll dive in with Rajat. I think this has been an interesting episode. So I'm Dan Fagella. You're tuned in to AI and Industry. And without further ado, let's hop right in. So Rajat, where I thought we'd begin is on the topic of bringing AI into an enterprise. Maybe with other kinds of software, people might just think about what technology do we pick and then you know, we just find somebody to integrate it and we start using it. With AI, there's a lot of considerations and maybe a lot of reasons why it's been a little slower to integrate into the enterprise. What are some of these get started topics to think about for business leaders who are kind of beginning the journey? Thank you, Dan. Yes, I mean, the tech is far ahead of the usage in enterprise. And as I think of the main reasons why the adoption has been slower than the potential, one fundamental question that I see enterprises struggling with is clarity on where they want to stand on the human machine continuum, Hmm. right? Debates around would 
machines dominate the future of problem solving in companies or would it be people, right? And which is the strongest asset and what's the balance? I think answering that question is fundamental to figuring out what your AI strategy would be. Another thing that I see is which initiatives to focus on, right? Most companies don't start greenfield. Most companies start brownfield. So there are many initiatives already in play around AI. And with all the hype, sometimes it feels like AI is a hammer and people are looking for nails to hit the hammer with. Yes, yes, yes. So which initiatives to pick is another hard one. There's also a question around how do you get the right AI experts? As you know, this is a hard area to hire and retain. So how do you bring the right experts into play so that you can develop and scale the businesses, right? So I think those are some top challenges I see in enterprises and customers I speak with. And we'll dive a little bit deeper into that, I suppose. You know, we've done a good deal of focus in some previous interviews around choosing kind of the low-hanging fruit areas of AI application. I think that once that's chosen, once we know, okay, well, for us, you know, fraud detection is going to be sort of a place to begin or customer service and voice of the customer preempting sort of service requests or whatever, maybe a business kind of makes a decision. That's where we're going to sort of get started here in the enterprise. You know, talent is one of the considerations. Vendor selection is maybe another one of the considerations, but there's more to it than that. What are sort of the processes of mapping it out? We've maybe honed in on an area in the business, but what are the next steps now to sort of make sure that we can actually see an ROI here? Yeah. And Dan, speaking from personal experience, I think many of the questions that feel like questions around talent and vendor selection, they actually mask this fundamental issue of where should the balance between the strategy be on people versus machines? Hmm. We ran into this question also and surfaced this assumption as we were building some of our own AI products and services. What really helped us, Dan, was taking the Iron Man movie as an apt metaphor. Okay, right? go and for it. Movie, and, and, and the movie, as you know, I mean, Tony Stark, he's a brilliant engineer and he develops a powered exoskeleton, right? And Tony Stark himself is brilliant and great, but the exoskeleton also is wicked cool. And when you think of Iron Man, it's Tony Stark and that exoskeleton coming together. And that creates that amazing superhero Iron Man that, you know, my seven-year-old son, he really loves, right? So the question we discussed as an executive team before we could land on which vendor, which talent strategy is where do we want to be on that continuum of human and machine? I'm in the customer experience business, as you know, at Cisco, our people are our main assets, right? They are our Tony Starks. And we realize they are simplifiers, optimizers. They hold our customers' hands. So what we realized that for our business and for our strategy, the answer has to be more leaning towards people and the machines and the AI supports the people. Around kind of 30-70 was kind of the ratio we were thinking about. But I think for every company, this question of where you stand on the human and machine continuum needs to be answered before you start thinking of what talent to bring in and what initiatives to pick. We can maybe poke into that. So Rajat, I appreciate this lens of thought. You know, the way that I see this is I, you know, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm not going to call any company out, yours included on this topic, but, you know, it's a somewhat of a political consideration. I mean, if you are a large company with a lot of humans, then of course, there has to be a consistent drumbeat with AI helping everybody be more useful and productive. Even if your plans were otherwise, you couldn't say otherwise. It's sort of like a very obvious foregone conclusion as to where companies would have to say they stand. You listen to Accenture, you listen to McKinsey, it's all about there's no such thing as automation. It's only augmentation, right? And I'm not I'm not insulting anybody by any means. It's just everybody has incentives and 
they have to forward the thought tracks that will kind of keep their employees from revolting. But at the same time, a smaller company, I think, actually is open to being quite clear about the fact that if they're going to develop a new capability, it might make a lot of sense to make it more 70-30 machine to person. If you don't have to fire anybody and you get to start from scratch, you might as well have as people only in the absolutely mission critical roles that they need to be in. It feels to me like big companies are going to all say they're people focused and small companies are all going to say they're machine focused. And it's kind of a foregone conclusion. Is there more nuance to this? I mean, are there big companies like Cisco who would ever say that they're going to be machine focused? I mean, it almost seems kind of unrealistic and whatnot, but maybe there's more nuance that I'm not aware of. Yeah, I think the way I would kind of answer that, Dan, is I think it has less to do with the size of the company. Hmm. Right. I think it has to do more with the evolution of opportunities. Right. So I think across companies, there's going to be a combination of job change, job up leveling and job displacement. This is a movie we've seen before. Right. So if you think of the invention of the wheel or industrial revolution or computer age, many old jobs were gone. Like take the industrial revolution, for example, many old jobs were gone and many new jobs were created. Right. Like the Six Sigma specialists yeah, got created yeah. in the industrial revolution. Yeah. Right. And the U.S. steel industry lost 75% of its workforce from 60 to 2002, but lots of new jobs also got created in this process, right? So I think as AI goes mainstream, new kinds of jobs will be created. And it really depends on what kind of business you are in, right? Because, for example, in the customer experience business, trusted expertise is one of our core values. And our customers want our experts to kind of guide them through the journey, right? So there'll be some degree of job replacement in job change and job up-leveling, but I think more opportunities will be created in this process. And that's what we are seeing, right? Like for this example, we created technology that could solve 86% of our problems automatically. What it did was it created time for the engineers to start creating new scripts and further that AI even more and start working on value-add activities where they take customers through the life cycle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I see what you're saying is that maybe there is some work that kind of gets replaced or displaced, but that frees us up to do maybe additional creative work from those folks who are no longer tied up as much, which totally makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think what's critical to think about is what are the skills of the job force for the future? And if I think about it, I think learning is probably the most important skill of the future. And what's amazing to me, Dan, is the rate of change of learning will be more important than learning itself in the future. And I don't think there's a word in English that captures the rate of change of learning, right? <laughs> which is jobs will be replaced with new jobs. And we don't know what the jobs of the future are going to be, right? Maybe in the future, there is an empathy auditor, right? Who makes sure there is empathy included in our AI. But unless we can get our workforce to learn, and more importantly, to embrace the rate of change of learning, you know, these new opportunities will not be created. 100%. And that's going to be a challenge for all big companies and small companies alike. Maybe big companies, it might even be a little tougher if people have sort of had one thing that they've done for the previous 10 years. But indeed, yes, new things are going to spin forward. We cannot predict all of them. Maybe there is a degree of maybe not prediction, but forethought. Certainly a company as large as Cisco, you folks, when you think about that man-machine balance, I imagine you might have gone through a bit of an exercise thinking about, okay, for these functions that we're going to be integrating AI into, what do we want machines to be capable of? And then what are we to do with the people and with their additional time? Was there a, maybe you and I can't talk about 10 years from now, certainly not with any degree of certainty. We can maybe look at six month, 18 month trajectories for certain kinds of roles. Was there a little bit of thinking there in terms of, okay, what is automatable augmentable? 
And where do we want to mold this role of a customer service agent over into you know the future and maybe the next five years to kind of make them more of a Tony Stark? Does there have to be some visioning of who does what, man and machine, within a specific role? Is that a useful exercise? And maybe how did you guys go about it? Dan, that's a great point, right? I think one of the first steps was to add some resolution to what are the different steps in the customer experience journey. Right. So after purchase, we kind of broke it down to steps like onboard, implement, use, engage, adopt, and optimize. Right. Those are the different steps a customer goes through before we get to renewals. And as you know, renewals are the lifeblood of the subscription business. And unless those steps happen well, there is going to be no renewal and no extra value for the customer. The lens we took, Dan, is as you know, Cisco is a very acquisitive company. And we have always looked at innovation in terms of build, buy, and retain. And that's the lens we took for AI also, right? So there is a piece of building AI talent. When I joined Cisco three years ago, you know, it's easy to have the misconception that engineers who've been network engineers or hardware engineers cannot transition to the machine learning and AI era. But what I found is, you know, several of our network engineers can be trained to learn Python and become R and Python and become AI engineers, right? So the build piece has been going strong. And then buy, I mean, we continue to buy um, AI-focused companies. And then the trick is how do you retain the people once you train them yeah. and once you include them, right? Yeah, and yeah. and like many large companies, I think the innovation contests are a good way of retaining talent and giving them some free time to experiment with and come up with some cool new technologies that could be mainstream to the business. We had some more resolution on the steps and where we need a combination of machine and person and then focused on build, buy, and retain for our AI talent. Yeah, it sounds like you know, to some degree, you're thinking about maybe your network engineer folks, you're imagining what is the future of maybe a network engineer and, you know, which of them maybe could learn Python, where could that fit in? If you were talking to another executive at a very large firm like your own, and they said, hey, you know, we're really going to be building out and acquiring a number of AI tools in the customer service, customer experience side, you know, would you encourage them to do a bit of a brainstorm about who would need to learn what? In other words, not just what technology and who do we need to hire, but how do these roles, how do the categories of roles in that business unit shift in the next two to five years to accommodate for the new technology and paradigm? Is that maybe a, a missing thought process on the enterprise side? I cannot speak to how missing it is, Dan, from the other <laughs> companies, but I, yeah. but I definitely feel that's an exercise one must go through, right? And it's a combination of the business strategy where the business wants to go but also the requirements for the role, right? Like, for example, empathy is a pretty important part of the customer experience journey, right? Because you can have great service, but kind of great service is a monologue. But great customer experience is a dialogue with the customer. And as you're building great talent for customer experience, you need people and talent who can have that dialogue and have that empathy supported with AI. But definitely kind of breaking down the roles and the job requirements and figuring out in which roles and which situations AI could supplement humans is a great exercise. Cool. So that could be sort of a useful lens of thinking. We've got another maybe four minutes or so here, and maybe I'm thinking about highlighting one or two other things that would be critical for an enterprise. So, you know, picking the right vendor, you know, maybe we don't have the time to go into that. Thinking about the future of these roles, the man-machine balance, and imagining that as part of this acquisition and change strategy is, is one thing. You're talking to somebody else, big, big company, enterprise, really looking to move AI into, let's just say, customer service, because that's where you focus. What are the other sort of best practices for exercises to go through or things to think about in the C-suite that really do need to happen if we want to see success come out the back end here? One of the things that we have learned through our experience is 
which AI initiatives to pick, right? And I alluded to that in the yeah, top yeah, of our yeah, discussion. Yeah. There is a lot of noise in this space. It's very tempting to kind of go with the hotshot new data scientists you've hired and go with the initiative that person is proposing. There is a lot of noise. So one of the questions we kind of wrestled with is, and I think many of my friends I know who are also execs in other companies they wrestle with, is how do you pick the right initiatives? And I think a good metaphor to think of that, Dan, is the movie Moneyball, right? I think hmm. you get the sense I like I like movies. So if you think of in Moneyball, Billy Bean, he defied tradition. And instead of going with people who look like baseball players and feel like baseball players, he actually looked at data. And he looked at statistics no one looked at and he looked at people no one looked at. That's what we tried to do with pretty good results. So instead of just looking at the brilliant new data scientists or the hotshot new executive, we started looking everywhere to find data science initiatives that are going to have impact on the business. And what we found was there was a small group of engineers in Switzerland, of all places, Dan, that were working on a very cool initiative that would solve problems before they would occur for our support cases. If we had not cast our net really wide, we would not have found this group. And this group turned out to be a winner of the Pioneer Award at Cisco, which is our most prestigious award for innovation, right? So my advice to other folks looking at AI initiatives would be don't bias yourself. Look everywhere. You know, great innovation is already happening at the grassroots, right? All you have to do is look. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, it sounds like one maybe final take-home point, Rajat, just to nutshell what you're saying, is that if you're a big enterprise and there's rife opportunity for AI across the board, let that decision sort of trickle up from kind of around the company and be able to generate as many good, potential, fruitful ideas as you can, as opposed to thinking about what does this C-suite think is the right place to put our initial focus and kind of lock that decision up. It sounds like you're a fan of really feeling out from the grassroots, where can there be an ROI? Where is there going to be fruitful yield? And that that might be an exercise worth having before maybe picking where to point the AI cannon, so to speak. Is that a right way to sum that up? Yeah, well said, because great innovation is already happening, right? There are people who have already picked up these skills and solving actual problems. The role of the executive team should be to find these and nurture these initiatives. A worthwhile lesson and hopefully some fruitful lenses of thought for you business leader listeners who are contemplating sort of where to apply AI yourselves. Rajat, that's all that we have for time. I sincerely appreciate you sharing your insights here on AI and industry. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page, 
Uh, most of our podcast listeners get our, the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. Uh, I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.